1: Today, I have a very unique guest that I'm very excited to share with you. He's actually my husband, so this is going to be a really fun conversation today, and I hope you all will enjoy it. His name is Bjorn Oste, and he is a food innovation expert, has brought some really exciting things to the market, and I look forward to sharing his story and some of his ideas going forward. Welcome, Bjorn.
2: Thank you. It's so great to be here. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be exciting.
1: Because I obviously know a lot about your business, how about you tell our audience a little bit about the work that you do and how you came into the space of food innovation because you came in from a previous career in technology. So it was an, your transition itself is also quite interesting.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been quite a ride. I really started off my career in the field of computer security, so you can imagine the the step between computer security and innovation in food is is a p- pretty big one. But but at the time when I made that career change, it felt the right thing, and I have no regrets whatsoever. And, and I really uh, started my career in the software industry, as I said, and built a software company in Sweden. I was fortunate enough to be able to sell it to an American company. This is back in 1997. And that, of course, is ultimately how we ended up meeting in Boston in my office. But that's a subject for a completely different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But my brother, of all people, it's really his fault, everything, right? He's a professor in food chemistry and as I was doing my, my odyssey across the world with computer security he was tinkering in the lab of how, how to make a better milk, how to avoid all the issues that the dairy industry, uh, that comes along with the dairy industry in terms of pollution and allergies and, and cost and all that kind of stuff and that's really you know he uh, back in the mid late 80s, uh, mid 90s uh, developed a, may, a way to milk your oats to make milk from oats, and, and um, I thought that was just the craziest idea, but, you know, I went one day when I was in London, I went to a little food show, when he was introducing it to the market, this is probably 95, 96, and I went into his booth, and there people came in, and they drank the product, and struck up conversations, it was really amazing to see the passion in everybody, and how everybody was so excited about it, and and, and, you know, I felt there and then that this is so much cooler than boring computer. How, how boring can computer security be, right? I mean, come on, give me a break. What, what is it? It's, it's really important and, and fascinating subject, of course, but, but you don't get that engagement from the consumers. And also with a product like oat milk, you can actually not only bring a commercial product up, but you can do good. Right, this is a product that can help improve humans' health, but not only the human health is the health of the planet. I really got sucked into that and fascinated, and yeah, two years later I got the opportunity to invest with him. And uh, it's so funny because all people, all my old colleagues in the computer industry, they kept thinking I said that I was leaving computer security, which at the time we all thought was super sexy, right? I have to remember that. And that they all thought that I went into goat milk, thinking I was going to a farm milking goats, right? It's really funny, but um, goats and oats, it's sometimes hard to separate phonetically, right? Anyway, they've soon learned the difference. They've soon come to learn that I wasn't at all milking goats back in a farm on the countryside. We were... We were spreading our oats in a very different way we we're spreading oat milk across the world so that has been my my uh, journey for the last 20 years very active in, in building what is today known across the world as oakley we're in the us we're in europe we're doing phenomenal business in asia we launched in china last year it's going extremely well there so we've proven that the same, and we have the same message and the same design, and the same packaging, same humor all over. And, and that seems to work, no, no matter the culture. Uh, I think that's really fun to see, too. So, yeah, that, that's the, the oat story. In parallel with developing oat milk, my brother and I, uh, about 15 years ago, started a separate research company. We call it Aventure. And that's where we allow ourselves to really play around with all kinds of crazy ideas. We've discovered that the the, the high-tech food, if you like, or innovation in food, is something that is... Well, all the big food companies have basically surrendered that space. Nobody's working with lead, cut through leading development, uh, science based development. Most new pr- food products that are launched are formulations or new recipes of old themes, right? A new kombucha, a new, you know, a new cold brew coffee, a new, a new water for that matter. How hard can it be? But, but we have really identified that if you app, apply serious in-depth science Uh, and there's many different aspects of that science applying that to food development and it creates a whole new world you know where you combine true sustainability with true health aspects with true taste clean labels no funky additives and although I talk about food science people start maybe thinking about frankenfoods and whatnot but but you know you can do great innovation, and, and in fact it's more challenging and re- requires more out, out of your scientific team to do innovation where you don't use funky processing, where you don't add uh, e-numbers to the ingredient list, uh, etc. And and, and uh, that's really although you know building Oakley has been a big part of my life, but my true passion really is around coming up with these breakthrough innovations and ideas and bringing healthy, sustainable foods to the market.
1: So in a way, you're sort of like the apple in the food industry in that, I mean, if you're thinking about it, one of the things that's been really incredible to watch from the sidelines and be a part of at some stages has been this the way that you communicate what you're doing because, you know, just like with a lot of technologies, there's... So much that can happen on the engineering and on the research and the development side, but if you can't communicate it clearly to your audience in a way that's sexy and fun for them, it can sit on the shelf somewhere. And same thing so with the food stuff. And and absolutely I think that's something that has been consistently a strong point in the products that you guys have launched. And so I'm curious what you've seen. I I, you know, I know that. You've hired some really great people that understand how to do sort of guerrilla marketing is what we used to call it, but really communicating in a totally different way about food to make people really understand the health benefits, but also the innovation that's happening there and why and how they can enjoy it. How do you see that has changed because of technology?
2: Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's a groundbreaking shift in how you promote and sell food products today to the point where a lot of the traditional food foodies from the food industry have completely missed the train. They're so stuck in the old paradigm of you know, big food companies broadcasting their messages via TV commercials, and and using their power in, in buying up all TV commercial space, also leveraging that power in buying up all the shelf space in retailers, and essentially don't giving the consumer any choice. Luckily, that paradigm has shifted very dramatically over the last, I would say about 10 years now, with the emergence of cool cafes that wants to launch new fun, cool trendy products, you have uh, supermarkets like Whole Foods that has a promise to the consumers of always being first with all new cool fun stuff. That means that they also of course have to do that. They have to identify and find all new cool fun stuff. And guess what? That's never coming from the established food industry. This has led to, and of course add to that, the whole influencer marketing, uh, social media, where today I was just watching, as an example, a YouTube clip. I don't remember the name of the girl, but my daughter, our daughter, Hannah Maria, watches it with her friends. It's a 15, 16-year-old girl from L- L.A. that has uh, 7 million followers, right? And she's out there showcasing new ways to apply makeup and comments on fashion trends. And, of course, that attracts 15-year-olds. In a number of episodes now she keeps dissing Starbucks because they don't have oat milk because that's her new favorite thing and this is not paid for by Oatly, not paid for. This is happening without Oatly's doing, uh, direct doing but indirectly this is exactly the whole strategy we've developed within Oatly to become meaningful for the right consumer groups You need to not go in and buy influencer space because the consumers see through that now, right? You don't want, oh, yeah, that's a paid for, or, you know, you don't care. But you need to be clever and be meaningful, so you need to appear and be seen in the right places where your target audience appear. That could be sponsoring, for example, a a music concert or, or being at the right competitions or just have the right... Uh, fun language that engages people. So in the case of Oakley, we've learned to be pretty darn good at Instagram, Facebook, but we don't have our own Instagram, Facebook pages, or we do, but there are nothing to talk about. It's all about creating a dialogue and be part of creating a dialogue in the social media world that actually we don't, we Oakley in that case, don't, or shall I say, we, we don't orchestrate it. We just Playing behind the scenes, pulling the levers, and make sure that facilitate that dialogue, and that's that's just the new marketing paradigm, right? Uh, As our head of marketing at Oakley says, people, consumers don't want
1: brands. Yeah, it's it's so true, and I think it's also you know really understanding your not your primary market that would be the most obvious one. Of, you know, going after the vegans or going after the, you know, the lactose intolerant, but rather understanding that people want to eat healthy. And so if you give them the opportunity to make healthy choices by educating them as to what's available. And then the other piece that I just, I, I think was absolutely brilliant on your team's part was to go after the barista market. Because so if you could talk a little bit about that, because I think that it, it's really, that was a, a beautifully orchestrated piece because most people aren't aware of the fact that a lot of baristas themselves are vegan, mm-hmm. which was sort of something it sounds like you guys learned on the sidelines. But most of the milk consumption in the U.S. today is with coffee.
2: Absolutely, yeah. We, uh, we perfected, we, in in the world of Oatly perfected this uh, marketing strategy back in Europe starting in 2014 when we realized that we had a a very unique offering for the coffee trade with our barista version of Oakley. If you go after the the high end, again, it's, it's a question from, from a brand owner. It's a question of being in the right places and being in the relevant places without really peddling or pushing or promoting your product in an offsetting way. I mean, when I started helping out the team here in the U.S., To get the foothold into the coffee trade, right? I mean, I tried to do some sales calls as well, and going into cafes, and it's just so funny to see that a traditional sales guy cannot sell to a very influential, you know, coffee shop in in Brooklyn, where where the owner is also the roaster and is very passionate about what he's doing and where she is and they decide what they want to sell and serve to their customers, right? So if you come and try to sell something, you've lost the the whole point. You just have to make sure they choose your product. They feel that they choose you. I didn't sell to them, right? And the way we've done that here in the U.S. is by hiring baristas and people in the field and just having sampling and launching Barista competitions, and that way get the word out to baristas. And then the baristas go home to their bosses and say, Hey, boss, this is what we need. And that has just, uh, you know, blown all our expectations on how fast you could roll out the US
1: market. Yeah, it's been amazing to watch. And as we've both been observing, there's all kinds of in a way, you have sort of this Oatley crisis now in the U.S. because there's so much demand, which I guess is a good thing, at least if, as long as it's only for a short term. Yeah. But um, as it's, we, we it's, know. A, it's
2: a crisis. It's never a good thing not being able to supply. But you know, mm-hmm. yeah. In essence, you're right. It it, it, it shows we, we had we had no way to predict the, that the demand would grow this fast. No way, and we're peddling like crazy now to fill that uh, supply gap at uh, which we will, right? But in the meantime, the market is screaming. And, and you could say that we should have learned because we have exactly the same situation in Europe. We just cannot supply fast enough. And But, you know, it's it's just, I think, what we have uh, been part of creating here is, is a, a, a titanic shift in consumer behaviors where with oatly's emergence on the market, people are shifting from milk to, to uh, plant milk, plant milk, in, in a much higher pace than ever soy milk or almond milk have managed to to create. So, yeah, it feels good because we're really helping the planet this way.
1: I think it's kind of fascinating because, I mean, when I look at it from a behavioral science perspective, I remember when you were first getting involved in this and in our early stages about 20 years ago, you were saying that the biggest challenge is to change consumer behavior. and. Now we're seeing them change so quickly. Yeah. And that's something that has just never been seen before. And and so it's so hard to yeah. predict.
2: And um, you know, and it has been seen before, but maybe not so much in food industry. But there are all these books in the tech industry about the tipping point and everything, right? And I think this is a classic tipping point situation where we've been working and working and working and you know with the product. Uh, people here in the U.S. may think oatly is an overnight success. I will laugh and say, "Yeah, it is an overnight success. It's a 20-year-old overnight success, right? The first 19 years weren't so sexy, right? But they had this last year. Wouldn't that be impossible without that? So, uh, absolutely, it, it's uh, one. You get to a point where where it became, where you hear clap traditional milk drinkers or, or whatever consumer groups that we never thought in our wildest dreams would be." our target audience now, for them it's totally natural to take an oat latte of course, Mm -hmm. Uh, and they may drink milk and have dairy yogurt too and so you're becoming more of an established product, that it's it's not uh, either or, it's like yeah I want the best for every meal occasion, right, and I think a lot of people now think that uh, oat in the coffee is actually the best solution, it tastes better than even Your traditional dairy and that's why it's shifting.
1: Well I have to say a completely biased opinion of course but for me I much prefer the Oatly in my coffee it doesn't leave that aftertaste but I suppose I have a skewed perspective on that one and actually speaking of that skewed perspective I think it's kind of curious one of the things that I work a lot with is sort of when you have engineers and people that sort of their life's passion working on products and services for the market they Sometimes forget the you know that the users may not think or have the same tastes and ideas that they do. So how do you deal with that in the food space? Of yes, you can have taste tests and people that it's one thing if somebody tastes it and say, "Hey, this is good." It's another thing to have them completely change their behavior and decide to not consume what they were consuming before and switch over. Is that something that is done? You know how is that testing done differently in the food space than it is in the technology space?
2: Well, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure how to answer that. I think, uh, for one thing, if you go back to the coffee and um, the experience there, right, what we just talked about with taste, it's for sure a fact that taste is acquired, right. We uh, as an uh, intellectual exercise. We've been playing around with the idea of imagine you were the salesperson for this great new product that we just uh, were just about to launch in the market. It's actually milk from a cow. Imagine drinking that and all the aspects of the. You know, it's so true when we don't know that, but it's when the listeners think about it next time. If you drink milk with your coffee, you're going to notice a coating in your palate afterwards. And you don't have a problem with that. Uh, Very often we may like to chew a chewing gum or something to get a a fresher breath. But that coating is caused by the milk proteins. and It's actually, when you have a chance, if you compare with Oatly side by side a number of times, you're going to notice that Oatly will not give you that coating. And, And that coating, when you think about it, is actually not very pleasant. But we're so used to it. We're, we're accustomed to it. We're born with it, basically, right? From day one when we start drinking cow milk, we get that coating. That, that's what makes this, you know, tectonic shift and a and, and tipping point aspect. It takes time to retrain your taste buds. It does. And, and there's, it's hard for a new product. Take another example that, that I, I, I think is absolutely amazing here in the U.S. with the emergence of the kombucha market, Right. When we got kombuchas, I think 10, 15 years ago, it was this esoteric fringe product that everybody frowned upon. Drink that. It's, you know, it was like die hard, the granola crunchy crowd that loved it, right? Fringe people, the people on the fringe, so to speak. But uh, today, it's been one of the fastest growing categories in the US. It is becoming mainstream. And interestingly enough, the beer industry is investing heavily now. Big breweries are investing in kombucha because both beer and kombucha are fermented and uh, yeah, brewed and fermented. So they have a lot in common, actually. And the traditional pure kombucha will indeed contain alcohol. So you could see there that blends, you know, beer. First time you drink beer, it's maybe not such a pleasant experience either, right? It's something we have to to get used to drink. It's fascinating to watch how the kombucha industry is literally exploding and talk about a product that has had a very different taste. Another aspect of the taste is the the use of sugar everywhere and how we totally mask all other natural flavors with sugars. And uh, the sugar-free movement now, more and more consumers start to realize that, oh, this food actually has a little interesting flavor other than sweet. So we've been trained by the big food industry to have sugar in everything, and it essentially makes everything taste ultimately, at the end of the day, the same.
1: So this is a perfect segue to some of the really cool stuff that you're developing now, or have been developing, actually. It's another that's you know just hitting the market but has been under research for many years. I see you're practicing your father's advice of patience, 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 is how a healthy relationship survives. Yeah. <laughs> but the... Can you share a little bit about Good Idea and some of the new products that are coming our way from Sweden?
2: Absolutely, a bit more than happy to. So, absolutely, you're right. And my, my my daytime job, as I say, is running our new company, Good Idea. And Good Idea is sparkling water, flavored sparkling water, just tastes just like a Lacroix or something similar. But you drink it with your meal, and it will reduce the blood sugar spike from that meal every meal whatever you eat will create, uh, generate an increase in blood sugar and, and that's normal and that's the way it should work the problem we have today is that we we get too big of an uptake too fast and that's due to processed starches and sugars fast carbohydrates as we say and they are we're there's too many of them and they're everywhere in the traditional food today and ultimately they are the cause of diabetes, obesity, and all other, uh, you know, high blood pressure, what we refer to as the metabolic syndrome and and, uh, the associated uh, lifestyle diseases. These are diseases that are all preventable. Preventable if we exercise more and eat better. In America today, there are over 30 million diabetics. There are over 90 million pre-diabetics. Di- pre-diabetics have about 50% chance to develop diabetes over the next couple of years, right? It, it's a disaster and we need to do something and nutritionists and dietitians and doctors and nurses have known for years that it's really simple to do something about it. It's just change what you eat. Eat less sugar, exercise more. It can't be harder. Well, it is really hard to change as we know, right? So we uh, came up with this idea with another uh, research group at the University back in Sweden that my brother has been engaged with and involved with for many years. They approached us one day with this discovery that a certain mix of amino acids and the mineral chromium has an extremely potent effect on helping the body regulate blood sugar. We've been looking at that from, from an oat perspective too. So the field was was very familiar to us, but uh, this product has no correlation to Oats or relationship to Oatly at all. But uh, we saw such a desperate need for a product like this on the market that we decided to build Oatly too, if you like, our next company and take it all the way to the consumer. Uh, we've invested lots of money in it over the years and we have now launched in the U.S. We have a team of, I think, eight people here in in the US now, and um, we're building distribution in retail and food service, and you can buy us online at amazon.com.
1: And you've been nice enough to offer a discount to our guests on um, this. and uh, for those of you who are listening and are curious to try it, if you go to the show notes, you'll be able to follow the link with the code 2BU30, and it'll give you a 30% discount on your order. And by doing so, you'll be helping support the Evolving Digital Self podcast. So I recommend you try it for two reasons, but I think that you'll really enjoy it. So anyway, that was a little segue, but tell us more. Where, where are you going with this stuff?
2: Uh, so we're taking it to uh, nutritionist dietitians across the country, and they appear in all kinds of situ- different places. We're targeting corporate America through corporate wellness programs, Drink our product for lunch and you stay awake during your boss's boring presentation at 1 o'clock, right? And no sugar cravings at 3 o'clock. So it really, short-term effects are very potent. Um, You know, you stay energized. But the point is, really, repeated uh, consumption helps uh, suppress your, your blood sugar spikes and your total blood sugar levels and your resting blood glucose levels, and you'll be a lot healthier. Yeah, the reception has been overwhelming among the professional healthcare community, and chances are that your uh, your own nutrition dietitian, uh, if you have one, would probably know about us because we've been in many conferences addressing this product to that community. Um, so, uh, but we also have some other fun projects back home in Sweden that we hope to bring to the market here quite soon. Just to show you a little bit of the breadth and width of what we do in with innovative, high-tech food, as we say.
1: Any of those you can share with us?
2: Well, it's one pet project, I think, in some sense, where we have done something very radical. We were approached years ago by a couple of doctors, radiologists from a hospital in in Sweden that told us that there is an issue with taking good X-rays of your bowel. Your small bowel, you are really the doctors, uh, they want to see the inside of the bowel. And in order to do that, the wall, the inside ball of the wall of the bowel, in order to do that, you need to slightly expand the bowel in the x-ray situation, right? And, and, but whatever you fill the bowel with cannot be visible on the x-ray itself. That, that will sort of ruin that image. And we, long story short, after many years of uh, trial and horror, as we say, and failures and, and discoveries. and, and uh, We've come up with a, a product that you drink. It's a food. You drink it, it expands your bowel, and it's totally healthy, only food-grade components. And it's, uh, it's effectively now going through pharmaceutical testing for approval. Um, it's really fun. That's what you can do with food. It's kind of akin to drinking uh, shaving cream or something, right? But it tastes. You mean consistency, in- not in flavor. No,
0: consistency.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is something that I'm really excited for. I've had to experience that contrast solution before, and I think I barely kept it down. It's pretty. Right. Good. You mean the I mean, traditional, existing, the traditional yeah, kind, yeah. and it's really. I mean, you feel like you're drinking toxic chemicals. Yeah, it's yeah. not not a pleasant experience. So if you can minimize that torture when you're already going through an unpleasant experience of a stomach x-ray that's a that's a pretty amazing thing i'm really excited about that for you guys and i think uh i'm curious sort of what are your plans i know we've talked about it a little bit but what do you think is next after a good idea for you
2: there's so much on the plate here And, and what i really enjoy is obviously the being the the part of the I'm not a scientist myself, so I can't take claim for any of the innovations, right? Although as much as I would love to, but it's really not uh, not my making. But what I've learned over these years in terms of taking breakthrough products, technologies, and to the market with all what that means in terms of processes you need to have in place to build a successful company, as well as of course the whole marketing and the new paradigm of how to engage with consumers, I, I'll see that I. I I'd love to be more involved in different types of companies, and in fact, I'm just talking to a company in Peru that wants me on their board, and it's it's really cool because they have this discovered yeah, discovered is the wrong word they have as everybody have known for years Peru has incredible amazing raw material for great food, something that the big global corporations have been feasting on for years. They've basically been you know, raking the, the benefits from, from uh, screwing up low, small farmers down there and, and, and uh, robbing them of their raw material and, and, and uh, taking the products, uh, processing them abroad and selling them as part of their global brands. So not so much more. A lot of Peruvians are, are feeling enough is enough. Let's build a Peruvian brand. Let's process these products in Peru and bring them to the world markets. I'm so excited that they even asked me about it, but you know, I, I think I think I can truly add a lot of value to a company like that, and, and it's a really exciting journey to do. We have in my uh, my brother and I already have companies in India and in in Bolivia, actually. So we, with the purpose, long term purpose of developing these kind of opportunities, and now the, another one here in Peru landed in our lap. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to see that. Uh, if I can contribute just a little, you know, uh, microscopic piece to that success, I'd be really proud of myself and that will be really a fun thing to do. Then, as you and I have been talking around, right, it would be cool to do something like that in Africa too, right? Absolutely. So, so um, that's, that's, I think, where I see myself go somehow.
1: With a little bit of a shift here, because I think that's great, and I hope I personally hope you find some more interesting opportunities like that. And I hope you that in those contracts, yeah. yes, in that yeah. contract, you have to include your wife as part of the. Uh, you know, maybe I can podcast. I you can come and do. A
2: yeah, podcast, I can come and know.
1: interview them while we're there. Actually, I was thinking more. I would love to hear sort of how is you know having been in the technology sector and then moving into food innovation. And yet, all during this time, you've been an entrepreneur, and you've seen a lot of changes and shifts in how technology is used to grow your business, to communicate with your team, to manage your own life and balance. What tools do you find the most useful, and sort of what are your best tips or ideas around finding digital life balance for yourself and running your business most effectively?
2: Yeah, well... (laughs) That's a great question and, and and I certainly seen a lot I mean when we started our software company, I like to say that we were some of the very first ever to use email in in a commercial context and and uh, we of course had to hack our own little front ends and whatnot. This is back in the mid eighties right the ARPANET was just about you know made and so so In that sense, through my technology background, I really lived through that whole technology shift. Um, And uh, but as I I have also left the technology background, I'm not a not so should say I'm not a technology expert anymore. But I've gone from being more of a geeky expert to be more of a a, you know critical user of technology. To your point, and and. uh, but I don't really have any magic silver bullets or anything there to recommend, but I, I, I find today, for example, collaborative softwares like Evernote or I've been using um, Dropbox Paper is sort of a shared... I'm a manager. It's all about keeping information and, and priorities on, a, on top of, of mind and sharing that with, with your colleagues in a very easy consistent way so everybody knows what's going on and, and, and that's that's the struggle i've had over the years to find optimal tools there's still a lot to be done there but i think collaborative tools like evernote like dropbox paper and things like that have, have made has given me a big shift i used to be more sort of uh, you know using all the gizmos in, in my smartphone and whatnot but i find that often to be distracting and that it takes away from your productivity
1: Takes away from your watching football time,
2: yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's <laughs> that's the sacred moment that you need to for re- relaxing and you know, refocusing, right? That's my Zen moment when I watch
1: some people watch Fuzzy Kittens, you watch football,
2: yeah, I, 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 <laughs> soccer, yeah, football, absolutely. We all have our sides, but but um, luckily, I married this woman that is a techie geek that actually has given me a lot oh you might know her right <laughs> she's given me a lot of advice and help and uh, she's also very good at policing me when I'm not. she's not good at policing me when I'm watching football but I don't like that part but otherwise <laughs> very effective in helping me testing out new technology and I'm very grateful to her for that
1: <laughs> I'm glad you're grateful rather than irritated <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I mean, we could go in so many different directions at this point, but I think that's a good stopping point while you're still appreciative. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, do you have any closing thoughts or anything that you would like to share in terms of, I know one thing that people are probably very curious about because there has been this whole Oatly crisis, for example, and, and Good Idea is still just coming out there. How do people find these products and services or actually, in your case, is products? How can they get access to them? Who's carrying them right now, and where's the? What are the best channels if they have to sleuth a little bit for your products? So,
2: if I start with Oakley, now Whole Foods Market has launched Oakley nationwide as of August this year. Unfortunately, they did, uh, despite the recommendations from our side, they bought too little, so they, some of them have restocking issues. But it's, it's ramping up rapidly, and, and there are many other retailers, regional retailers, that carry the product specialty. I mean, if you're on the East Coast, Wegmans is a great place to go. If you're down in LA, you have Bristol Farms, and they're, they're here in the Bay Area. We have Nuggets, and you know Mill Valley Market, and, uh, and a couple of the locals that they carry the product. And it, it's going to spread quickly through retail this fall. Uh, but Whole Foods Market would be a, a, a safe bet, and, and of course, uh, you go to our website, and there's a list of some 2000, 2,500 cafes across the country that carry the product. And the Oat Finder. Yes, that's the so-called Oat Finder, and it's coming out a new version of the Oat Finder very soon that also lists all the supermarkets. Good Idea drinks, you can buy on Amazon. You can go to goodideadrinks.com and buy it straight off our website. If you are in Northern California, there's a number of uh, independent supermarkets in Marin County and Sonoma that carry the product, Mill Valley Market again, and, you know, Allsbury Market in Santa Rosa, just to name a few. But we just basically started selling towards retail in June. So, so, uh, and it takes time with the, for them to do their resets and whatnot. So by the end of this year, I hope we should be in a few hundred stores at least.
1: Nice. And don't forget, digital sellers that are out there, if you are in the food innovation space and you need the wisdom of someone who has some great experience with launching products you might want to reach out to Bjorn as well because. Please
2: do. I'd um, love to please. talk to you and, and uh, come on by if you're in the Bay Area. We'll sit down and have a coffee with Oakley and chat. I'd love to talk to you.
1: Especially if you live someplace and your company's a really cool place to visit, and you need someone to do a podcast about it when you're there,
2: right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that, I come part as part
1: of the package.
2: Part of the package.
1: <laughs> anyway. I think that's a great place to close, and I just, i this has been really fun, and I will have to do this again, because this was just sort of an experience for us to test out. This is the first time I've done a literally face-to-face, in-person interview, uh, particularly with someone that I know quite well, and I think it's been a lot of fun, and I hope you've all enjoyed it and enjoyed listening. And feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or you want more information about Bjorn's work and products. And we look forward to talking with you again next week. If you enjoyed the show today, don't forget to rate and share it with others. We look forward to talking to you next week. Bye-bye for now.
0: Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us for The Evolving Digital Self.